Glad you're here this morning. For all of our first-time visitors, again, we're so glad you're here, and you should have received a weekly bulletin. And in that weekly bulletin, there's a connection card, and if you'd fill that out and put that in the, in the wooden box in the foyer, we would just love to know more about you. I would love to send you a personal thanks for coming. And we have a cafe upstairs, and if you're a first-timer, you can go up there and just say, hey, I'm a first-timer. Pastor Terry said I can have anything that's left in the cafe, and and that works. We have people that have been coming for six months that still do that. And so, you know, the cafe doesn't sell anything. Everyone just gets stuff for free up there. But we're excited about that. So two things coming up. You can go to our website and Facebook and all that. And it, it does a pretty good job of keeping you up to date. We have a weekly email that goes out. Uh, if you don't receive that, if you'll put your email in the offering box back there, we'll put you on the weekly email. Uh, but we have next Sunday, we have the growth track. And that's just our membership class. That's a way that you can get involved. And uh, we, don't, we don't want you just to come and attend and sneak in and sneak out, although you're welcome to do that if you want to. But after you've been coming for a while, we want to get you involved. We want to get you plugged in. And we want to get you on a serve team so you can start serving once a month. And our growth track is how you do that. So you can register for that. Everything, you can register every, on, for everything on our website but also there's a sign-up in the, um, the Life Center right out in the lobby. And this Friday is Men's Night Out, and we're really excited about that. Last, last two months ago, we had one, and we had a bunch of men that had never been to church before come, and it was exciting. So I just want to encourage you, uh, those of you that have been coming a long time, hey, I need you to participate in these and, and come. And when you see new people coming, uh, go welcome them. Go visit them. Go talk to them. That's very very, very important. And the last thing is this. We started our small group semester last week. And we've been really, really working hard uh, to get people plugged into small groups because that's, how, that's really how you grow. That's how you meet people. It's how you build relationships. And, and uh, you know, this semester we have a 40% increase in attendance in, in, in some of our small groups. So, listen, if you signed up and didn't go the first week, don't let the devil beat you down. Don't feel bad. Just start this week. Just start this week. If you can only come to, if it's an eight-week Bible study, you can only come five times or six times. Hey, five or six times is better than zero, right? Zero doesn't help you. So we just want to encourage you uh, to do that. And uh, the, I do, I, we usually do the, the um, videos on Tuesday. And so it said that I'm going to be talking about how to hear the Lord's voice. But I am not. I had a change of heart, okay? And so we're going to be talking about a different subject today, and we'll get back to that at another time. Uh, next Sunday, we're starting a new series called Miracle Moments, and uh, we're going to have a, a month of miracles. We have our bulletin board out there. If you saw our billboard out there, it says, just a real simple question, do you need a miracle? You know that there are hundreds and thousands of people in our local, the Houston community who need a miracle, and I just want to encourage you to bring them next week. It doesn't matter if they need an emotional healing, a relational healing something in their physical body. And every week starting next week, we're going to have one of our members of our church who received a traumatic, incredible miracle, and they're going to give their testimony by video before I speak. It's going to be an incredible, an incredible, uh, you know, series, I believe. And so this week I want, to, I want to talk about preparing for a miracle, preparing for a miracle. You know, Jesus, his life was all about miracles and and uh, there are 35 supernatural miracles that are recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But we know that there were many, many uh, more than that. John 20, verse 30 and 31 says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe. Believe is, is a big part of it. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in your name. And Jesus came to give, to just to give us life, to fill us with life. In Acts 21, 25, it says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would, that would be written. So just an incredible, an incredible, uh, line of miracles in the life of Jesus. And and uh, the, the thought of this is that when Jesus left, he said, because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, you can do greater things than I did. And it's hard to, hard to top that. But what, he, what, what was he saying? His saying was, miracles aren't ending because I'm leaving. 
they, they're going to continue. I'm still in the miracle business. And we're talking about preparing for a miracle. And so here's a question. We have so many questions, uh, spiritual questions and theological questions. And, and, you know, sometimes God just wants to do things. and He just wants to mess up our theology. He just want, he's going to do things and he's not worried about us being right or wrong. But here's the question. Do miracles just happen spontaneously or can we prepare ourselves to receive a miracle? And, and the answer is both. I've seen just incredible spontaneous things that were just uh, life-changing, life-transforming, mind-blowing. But I, I think many times we can prepare ourselves, put ourselves in a better position to receive a miracle. And so that, that's what I want to talk to you about today is how, how do I put myself in a position that, that's better than the position I'm in now to receive a miracle. Sure, God can do a miracle no matter what state you're in. He can do a miracle whether you believe or not. But how many of you know that if we're living right in it and if we're growing like we should, uh, I believe it helps to propel um, miracles in our lives. And I'm going to read Jeremiah 29:11. Many of you know this is a very famous scripture. But most people don't know the background of the book of Jeremiah, and they don't know the background of this verse. Many times we quote verses, and we don't even know where it, where it came from. We don't go back and read what was the context of that verse. That's very, very important. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So, so. Jeremiah, it was written, of course, by the prophet Jeremiah. And um, it's kind of interesting, if you know the history of the Israel people, a king named Nebuchadnezzar came and he conquered Jerusalem. And he took thousands and thousands of Israelites uh, back, back to Babylon. And so Jeremiah was one of the prophets that stayed in Israel. And the book of Jeremiah is a letter written to the exiles, to the people that have been taken into captivity, to the people that are living in Babylon. And if you read the whole book, basically he's saying, hey, you're going to be there for a while. You know, you're, you're going to have to pay the price for your sins. But the thought is this, is that I still have plans for you. Even though you're in captivity, Jeremiah said, God still has a plan for you. God wants to prosper you. And the end result is a hope and a future. He wants to give you a hope and a future. And th this is really interesting because we may not have experienced captivity, but many of us are bound up by different things. Many of us are hurting in different areas of our lives. And when we're hurting long enough, we look so much to our current situation that we can't see a positive future. And I just want to tell you today, I just want you to know that it doesn't matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter if you're in a sinful state. It doesn't matter if you've messed up. None of that matters. What you need to know is that God still loves you. And right where you're at, he has a future for you. He wants to prosper you, and he wants to give you a hope and a good future. And that's good news. Hope and a good future doesn't depend upon us. It doesn't depend upon our parents. It doesn't depend upon our actions. All it depends upon is that Jesus came and paid a price for us. And that gives us, that promises us a hope and a future. Now, here's the thing. If you don't believe that God has, a, he wants to prosper you, he wants to give you a better future, a peaceful future, a prosperous future. If you don't believe it, the chances of walking into that are not very good. You, you have to believe that. You have to really begin to, to, to get that in your spirit. And so, again... We may not experience captivity, but some of you may be experiencing a physical ailment. It may be diabetes, cancer. You may have pain in your body. Some of you may be experiencing financial loss and devastation. Some of you may have emotional trauma. Things have been done to you in the past that should not have been done to anyone. Terrible things. And that emotional trauma is keeping you right where you're at. Listen, God wants to come into our lives. He wants to do a miracle in our lives. He wants to change the way we think. He wants to change the way we see things. He wants to change and give us a tender heart because his plan for the future doesn't have anything to do with the bad in our past. 
You've got to believe that. You've got to start to begin to build upon that. And, of course, one of my favorite passages is John 10, 10. And it just, real simple, it says this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, who's the thief? The thief is the devil. The the, uh, spiritual darkness. Uh, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and you may have it to the full. So here, there's two choices in life. There's two choices. You can let the devil keep you where you're at. You can let the devil keep you in darkness and to steal joy and to steal happiness and to steal your health and to steal emotional health. Or you can say, no, you know what? I choose Jesus. I choose life. I choose life. I choose abundant life. And here's the simple truth. You say, well, why are miracles so important? Well, they're important for a number of reasons. First of all, it's because a lot of people need them. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, is that when God does supernatural miracles in our lives, the people around us who don't know Jesus, they can't deny it. We're going to have some testimonies the next few weeks that they're undeniable. They're undeniable. The doctors have pictures, and now the pictures are no more. There's cancer there. There's a mass there. There's a tumor there. It's spread all over. It's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. And the doctors say, oh, that's a mystery. No, it's a miracle from a living God. It's a, mir- it's a supernatural miracle. Is what, it's not no mystery about it. But here's the simple truth. You cannot do the things that you want to do, and you cannot do the things that God has planned for you if you have a traumatic situation going on in your life. If you have something that's a burden to you, I mean, let's think about it. If you're physically ill, you certainly cannot do the things that you want to do. I mean, think about, think about the, the, the mother who has a traumatic thing and she can't do the things for her family that she wants to do. See, so what, what, if, what if you're sick and you can't even get out of bed? You can, you can hardly go to bed. Well, how are you? How, you say, man, I want to serve in the church. I want to help people. You can't do it if you're, you can't do it if you're battling uh, physical illness, if, if your finances are not healthy. How can you ever give like you want to give? You say, well, Terry, I didn't, didn't want to give, <laughs> you know? So, well, that's a different issue. That's a different issue. Most people want to be generous. Most people want to give. If your finances are upside down, how can you help the poor if you're poor? How can you build the kingdom of God if you don't have a surplus? Listen, God can bring a supernatural turnaround in your finances. And, of course, your, your emotions, you know, our emotions. See, here, here's the bad thing. A lot of people are walking around with emotional trauma in their life, and they think that no one else knows. Well, no one else knows. Well, people do know because of the way you respond to life, your outlook on life. And uh, I'm just saying, and, and here's, here's the thing. What's the best miracle? What's the best miracle? The one that you need. The one that you need. That, that's the best miracle. What's the best miracle? What's the most important miracle? The one we're praying for at the moment. They're all important. The, all miracles liberate us. Miracles give us freedom. Miracles testify to God's power. So there, it's so important to do that. And, you know, I know that there's many churches around the world today who don't believe that God still performs miracles. What, what a travesty. One of, our, one of our founding fathers, I'm not going to say his name, but he wanted to rewrite the New Testament and taking out the miracles. Well, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? Why serve a God who can't help you? Why serve a God who doesn't have the power? And, and that, that's, why, that's why I think Christians, if we have a reality check, that every church should be full to capacity. I mean, membership should be 100% of the time because we're just so excited about what God's done in our life. And we're, gonna, we're going there to see what he's going to do in, in other people's lives. And so we have a miracle working God. We have a God who does miracles and nothing is too small and nothing is too big. And nothing is just in the middle. He cares about everything. You read the life of Jesus. God cared about every situation. He cared about the prostitute. He cared about the demon-possessed guy who's throwing himself in the fire. In, in, in society, they were nobodies. In God's mercy, he cared for them. He cares about every one of us. And so that's the first thing. You have to understand how much God loves you, and he desires to give you that breakthrough. He desires, he wants to give you that breakthrough. And, and that's one of the first things that we, really, that we really have to understand. 
And so, you know, during this series, we're just believing that God is going to give us some, uh, give you and people just incredible miracles needed to restore life. And the, 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 the result is this, is that you don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to stay where you're at. You can ask God. You can pray and seek for God to give you that miracle, to give you that breakthrough. So we're going to talk about preparing for a miracle. And this morning, I just want to encourage you to think differently. I want to encourage you, uh, I want to challenge you to change your view on life and, be- and begin to dream big again. Be- you know, just begin to dream. You know, it's, I was, I didn't know this the other day, I was uh, listening and um, you know the guy that does, um, Mike, Mike Liddell, who does My Pillow. You see all those infomercials? Y'all have never seen that? I'm about to play one next week. <laughs> They're Googling, I'm going to watch it right now, you know? Now he's the My Pillow guy. Hey, I'm Mike Liddell, and I, God gave me, you know, I'm going to create the most comfortable pillow, whatever, you know, in the world. And anyway, Mike Liddell had a 25 history 25-year history of being a cocaine addict. He was strung out on crack cocaine, and God delivered him. He delivered him. I need a better amen. He delivered him, and he started this company. God gave him a vision of starting doing these pillows. He now runs a multi-million dollar company, and he's using the profits to fund drug addiction facilities around our nation. Tell me God's not in the miracle business. You know, listen, if God can save a drug addict and turn him into a multimillionaire, you and I have hope. Just say that I have hope. I have hope. You know, we have hope. But, you know, God saw a guy that's strung out on drugs, and God's vision for him is he's experienced the worst of the worst. Now I want him to experience my best, and I want him to help others. He wrote a book, too. You can buy his book. It's just incredible what God can do in the turnaround that he can have. Let me ask you a question. How many of you dream too small? Yeah, let me see. Come on, come on. How many of you think too small? Well, maybe. I'm in the middle, you know. We're always in the middle. I remember a number of years ago, I don't know, it was right when Financial Peace University, FPU, started, maybe 17 or 18 years ago, and we did a pilot program in our church, and we had like four families, and Tracy and I did it with them, just to, you know, we're seeing if the curriculum was good. And, and, you know, I remember Dave Ramsey just going on these rants about, hey, you know, you got to get out of debt, get out of debt. Well, the problem was, Trace and I, we weren't bad with our finances. We just didn't hardly make any money. The church was teeny tiny, had hardly have any people. Um, you know, we're both working extra jobs just to make it. And we didn't have any credit card debt. We owed $7,500 on a minivan. And so I'm thinking about this and you know, Dave charged me up, but I started looking at it, and I said, Tracy, I don't see any way we can squeeze anything out of our budget to, to pay off this minivan any earlier. We had, I think, two years left on it, or 18 months or something. And, you know, the Holy Spirit just backslapped me. Have you ever been backslapped by the Holy Spirit? But, you know, it doesn't hurt. It feels good, like a V8 moment, like, whoa, I need to. And, you know, the, the Lord brought me to a scripture, and he says, do you know Ephesians 3.20? I'm like, yeah, I've probably read that a couple hundred times. It's like, well, go read it again. And believe it this time. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to his power, that works in us. And according, now, according to him who, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. So, What's funny is we have such big imaginations in some areas of our lives, and in some it's so small. You know, sometimes when it comes to spiritual things, getting a miracle or whatever, we'll sit around for 30 minutes and dream about winning the lottery or playing in the NBA or whatever you want to do. And, but, but when it comes to spiritual things, we don't dream. Whatever you can dream is small to God. Your biggest imagination is small to God. But we can increase that. And so I said, God, please forgive me. And, but I still didn't really have the faith. But I'm like, I'm just going to talk myself. So you can talk yourself into having faith. You say it enough. You repeat it enough. You write things around the house. I said, God, I'm, 
I'm just, I don't know how it would happen, but I'm believing that we could pay off this minivan on our limited income. You know, it was a great prayer of faith, I'm telling you. And uh, do you know, would you believe that about six weeks later in the mail, we received a check for $7,500 from someone. Now, here's the thing. We didn't put it on Facebook. Oh, we're praying for $7,500. We didn't tell any of our friends or family. No one knew. And somebody from out of state that I never thought even had money sent us a check for $7,500. Now, here's the second thing. This is a shock to some of you. I actually used it to pay off the minivan. We didn't go to Hawaii, you know. We, we, didn't, we didn't spend a week in Maui. You know, we actually used what God had blessed us with to pay for what we asked God to help bless us with. But So I'm just saying, start, we got to start dreaming big. We got to start thinking big because our biggest dreams are small for God. God can, God can do anything. He's a miracle-working God. And so... Four, we're going to talk about four or five things you need to do to prepare yourself for a miracle. And the first thing is this, is you have to find a way to increase your faith. You have, I talk to Christians all the time, and their, their faith is so small, I can't believe it. And, you know, things like, well, pastor, would you pray for me? And I'm not making fun of this. I'm just telling this. You know, um, we, we would like to tithe, but we don't give anything to church because we just don't have enough. That's a very small imagination. So you're saying if you honor God with the 10%, you don't think God can make it up. That, that's what you're saying. That's small thinking. That's small thinking. Think bigger. Think blessings. Think that God can do something incredible for you. Raise your faith to obey God's word. We don't even have enough faith to obey God's word sometimes. Listen, when we obey God's word, what, what does Malachi say? That if you would honor me with the tithe, I will open the windows of heaven upon you. And bless you with so much that you can't contain it. If you can contain it, there's still windows that need to be opened. Open them up and let God flood you. But it's like that in every area of our life. We have to increase our faith. Our speech tells us how small we think of God. You know, God, if you could just help my, my if you could just help me not get a divorce, I'd be happy. Hey, how about God? How about you bless my marriage so we can communicate effectively, so we can love each other unconditionally? Come on, church. We got to raise our thinking. We got to raise our thinking. We serve a big God. And we, our faith needs to be able to, to, to reach him. We, we can't. We, listen, the Bible says that we are heirs of God, that we are priests that we're children of the most high God. We don't need to live down here. We need to, God wants us to be up here. We gotta raise our thinking. We have to raise our faith. And now here's the thing, if you don't believe a miracle will happen in your life, you're probably right. You're probably right. And so we have to change that. The Bible says that God does not show favoritism. What he did for me, he'll do for you. What he's doing overseas, you know, he'll do, he'll do for us here in the States. So we have to believe that, yes, God can do this, and God wants to help me. So right now I'm just praying, God, release this miracle I'm praying for. Release it in my life. Sometimes the miracle we need is just to change our thinking. God, help me to think bigger. God, help me to think like you. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now this, this is faith. It's the confidence of, in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now, here's the difficulty about faith. It's very hard to be confident about something you don't yet see. I mean, come on, I'm, I, I have the same issues too. I have the same issues. So you're praying for something, but you, you, you don't see it. How can you have confidence and assurance of something you haven't seen? And the, the answer is, is this. When God speaks to our heart about something, that's the assurance, and we should have confidence in that. And so the key is this. You have to see it in the spiritual realm before you can have it in the natural realm. See, you have to see yourself well. You have to see yourself whole. You have to see your help, yourself driving a better car. You have to see yourself getting a promotion. You have to see it in the spiritual realm. I have a vision of a husband and wife getting along and enjoying each other. Have a vision of it. Get a picture of what you want. See it in the spiritual realm and, and, and get the assurance from God and you'll have the confidence to stand and, and, and believe, for, believe for it. Faith, 
Faith is like an incubator for miracles. Faith keeps the dream alive. It, it gives us the expectation that it will soon come to pass. Now, one of the difficult things is time. And we're all human, so it's easy for us to believe for something for a week, two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month. But when we've been dealing with a problem for a long time, it becomes difficult to believe. Listen, all you have to know is that in God's timing, he's going to bring that. One of the miracles we're going to show in a few weeks um, is a lady who had cancer for eight years. For eight years. She'd been praying for eight years. Eight years. Tried every medicine. Eight years. She came up here for a prayer and God healed her. Do you know how many times she'd been prayed for? Hundreds of times. Godly people praying for her. That was the day. But she didn't lose her confidence that she was going to receive it. That, that, that's faith. I, I, I have something for you. I'll print more of them next week. Out there in the, in the Life Center, there's a front and back page of healing scriptures. All these healing scriptures in the Bible. Miracle scriptures. And if I, I would take that thing home and laminate it so it doesn't get messed up. I was going to laminate it for you, but I'm cheap, so I didn't do it for you. But you got to have the faith. Believe God for that $3 to laminate that thing. Okay? And just start, if you start reading the scriptures and seeing all the different miracles that God done, it will raise your faith. Because they were no better than you are. It'll raise your faith so you can get that. I'll have more of them next week if they're all gone. gone. Number two, so you have to raise your, increase your faith. Number two is that you have to change your atmosphere. Listen, many times we don't understand that when we walk into a room, we have an atmosphere. You have an atmosphere around you. It may be negative, it may be pessimistic, it may be mean, ugly, angry, or you may have your atmosphere may be the fruit of the Spirit. But we have an atmosphere, and everywhere we go, we bring our atmosphere, but we also go into different atmospheres. Now, some of the times we can't help the atmosphere we're in, although I believe every Christian can change their atmosphere. I believe that. Your work atmosphere is bad. Well, just start praying for your work. Just start praying. Just start believing. The atmosphere will change. But here's the problem. If we are constantly in a bad, negative, faithless atmosphere, it will be hard to see miracles in our lives. The atmosphere we're in uh, really has a tremendous impact upon that. Now, we... We're all responsible for the atmosphere of our lives, and so we can change it. But, but think about this. We're talking about preparing for a miracle, and the atmosphere in our lives, in our homes, in our church, in our work, they're, they're either conducive for miracles or they're not. So if your atmosphere is not good, you have to change it. You may not can control some of the atmospheres you're in, but, you know, we only go to work 8 to 10 hours a day. We're at home most times, so you can control that. So, so think about this. What controls the atmosphere in our lives? The people we hang around with, the music we listen to, the material we read, how we spend our time, that, that controls our atmosphere. So if you need a miracle in your life, it starts with the atmosphere in your life. Um, let me, you know, when Jesus, everywhere he went, when he came into a synagogue, when he came into a house, when he came on the hillside, Jesus changed the atmosphere. He changed the atmosphere. And, and, and all kind of miracles happened. But there's an interesting scenario. See, Jesus wasn't the only one that was changing the atmosphere. Jesus' faith was the same everywhere he went. He spent time with the Father. He knew what he was there to do. But what happened is when he went somewhere, people started following him that were desperate and hungry and needed a miracle. So when he walked into a house, the house was flooded with people who were hungry, who had a high faith level. The atmosphere was supercharged for a miracle. And there, there's actually a scripture. Let me read it real quick. In Matthew 13, 58, it says this. He, Jesus went to Nazareth. And before this, it says that was his hometown where he was raised. And it said that the people were offended by him. They were offended by him because he was just a carpenter from Nazareth. And so it says this. 
He did not do many miracles there because their lack of faith. He did some, but he didn't do many because of their lack of faith. So what happened? Jesus was the same everywhere he went, but when he would go into a synagogue that was full of people who were hungry, they had an expectant faith, miracles just supercharged. When he went into Nazareth, their faith was so low and they were condemning him that the atmosphere prohibited him from doing great miracles. And of course, he didn't stay long because he didn't want to be in, in that environment. So think about this. We control the atmosphere. So, you know, my, we don't, maybe think about this way. Even in the church world, because we're in church, I'll talk about that. But the atmosphere in, in every church in our city is different. You go into some, some and maybe it's stuffy. Some, maybe it's not friendly. And you go into others and you feel life. And here's the deal. Church, we control the atmosphere of this church by how much we pray before services, by our expectancy when we come. And here, here's the, the greatest thing about atmosphere. See, sometimes we only want the atmosphere of miracles when we need one. But every Sunday there's people here who need a miracle. And so, you know, one of the big things about being a Christian is that we no longer just think about ourselves. But we think about other people. So that means we're praying for service. We're praying for miracles when we don't need one. We're praying for God to pour out his spirit when we're full. Because we care about everyone that comes in there. So, so the people, the people, you know, have, have a great influence on, on the atmosphere. And, and so in my 20 years of ministry, I've been able to speak in many different churches. And one of the things that I noticed is this. I can pray the same amount. I can study the same amount. I can be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And some atmospheres are electric and some are tough. I tell you, one of the, one of the toughest places when, I, when I, we went to the Ukraine and, and there's still that spirit, that communist spirit that invades people. And no one smiles. No one smiles, and there's, it's just lingering over them. Now, I'm sure that's been 10 years ago. I'm sure things are changing. But the same church, the same Jesus, but, 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 but the people have just been beaten down. There's a spirit of oppression over them, and, and that's something that it's not impossible to break through, but, it, but it's, much, it's much different. Number three, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to create a spiritual hunger inside of us. I'm always asked, why, why do more miracles happen around the world than in, like, America and the Western world today? And I think, it's, I think it's very simple. It's the hunger level. It's, it's the hunger level. And honestly, it's human nature. I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming us. But we, we have so much in the Western world. The wealth the ease of life, the lack of persecution, the everything we've been afforded, it lulls the Christian church to sleep. And I can't do this. I wish I, I wish I could take our whole church, put you on charter flights, and take you to Nepal or India for one service. For one service. I mean, we're driving to a remote place. I know it's remote because I'm scared. Uh, so there's no paved roads, there's dirt. I'm like, oh, it's, it's a long way down there, Joe. So what's going on here? And, you know, I know where I'm going. There's no electricity. There's no running water. There's no one waiting for select sports. There's no one waiting for the NFL to come on. They don't own a TV. And I see people walking over the mountains to go to church. I said, Joseph, what are all those people doing? He said, they're coming to church. you got to be kidding me. They don't bring their Bibles because they know that they'll probably only get one in their lifetime, so they leave it at home in a, in a Ziploc baggie, and they just come to church because they could get in a rainstorm on the way to church. And I mean, when you start, there's pe the room is full, the outside's full. But see, people don't, it's not just the number of people the atmosphere is charged. Because you see, when we were driving there, there's not a doctor within 100 miles. 
If you're sick, you cannot get medicine. There is no economic relief from the government if you don't have enough. And so when they come to church, I mean, they're coming because God is their only source. He's their only source, and they know it. And so many times our hunger level is not that well because we have all these sources, and when they fail to provide, then we go to God. See, that's backwards. We've got to go to God first. And I'm telling you, they just don't care. They don't care about time. They don't care about time, and they ask me, why do you, why do you preach so short? I'm like, man, I went an hour and 20 minutes, you know. I mean, you want me to go more? I can go and do more. And everyone there gets prayer, everyone. And sometimes three or four times they get back in line and come back through, you know. And, and I was like, man, I prayed for this guy three times. And, and Pastor Joe just laughs. The more times you pray for him, the better they feel. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. But see, it's just, a, it's, just a, it's just a Western problem, you know. Or you're laughing because I said I'm tired? Oh, I was tired. I was tired. That's why I took Kelsey with me. This time he said he wanted to pray for people. He started praying for people. I just walked out sometimes. Let Kelsey pray for I mean, if there's 400 people, you're going to pray for about 1,600 people. They get in your line multiple times. I told one guy, you can't come in my line anymore. And so he went in the other line. I mean, he was obvious. He had a hat on. He kept taking off his hat. But the hunger level is to be desired. The hunger level is to be commended. They refuse to be denied. They refuse to be denied. They're coming to church, and if God doesn't help them, they're in trouble. We need to come to church like we need God to help us. We need to go to work like God's going to use us to help somebody. We need to pray. We need to pray like we need God to do something. A hunger, a hunger. And we, we, we saw so many miracles. I, I don't want to bore you. We told you about them before. We, had it. we prayed for one lady. Um, I will tell you one. It's, incre- it's the cre- most incredible thing I've ever seen. Prayed for a lady and her eyes had never opened. Her eyes had never opened. Her whole life, her eyes had never opened. And so we're praying, praying, praying. Her eyes open. And, and then um, she opened her eyes and it's, it's all white. God closed her eyes again. God closed her eyes again. I mean, I got one miracle and now it's worse, you know. And um, do you know we prayed for this woman and brown started to come on those. She had no pupil, just white cornea and, and color started to come. Do you know that she doesn't have to be led around anymore because she can see? That's, a cre- that's the, the most incredible creative miracle I've ever seen. But look. God can do that in our church today. God can do that. The difference is the hunger level, the hunger level. I was reading, I'm excited this morning, I'm going to tell a story. I was, reading a, I was reading about the revival in Nagaland. Nagaland's in northeast India, way, way over um, uh, on the other side of uh, Miramar and I, I believe uh, uh, Bhutan and things like that. But anyway, these were tribal people. They were all headhunters. They were primitive. No one was Christians, none of them. And in the 1950s, I was just reading the history of this, God poured out his spirit upon them. And these Christians were being tortured. They were being burned alive. Uh, they were being raped. It was, it was just terrible. And the, the faithful Christians kept praying, kept praying, and in, in the, in the mid-1970s, God poured out his spirit so much that hundreds of thousands got saved. Hundreds of thousands got saved. And, I mean, there, there's not that many people there. There's a million of them are Christians. Every tribe, there's 13 tribes. Every, there's a church in every town. The biggest problem was um, the Indian government had kicked out all the missionary Christians. And so they have towns where, I mean, literally, literally, there's one story that's been recounted by 150 people, the church came off the ground. The church building came two feet off the ground while they were in there worshiping and everyone outside ran in to get saved. I mean, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. And the problem was some, some villages where they had no Christians, they all got saved and they didn't have any pastors, any leaders, they didn't know what to do. Just an ama- amazing story of persecution. But the hunger the hunger of the first few Christians who, tr- who prayed, prayed for the rest of their people. We just got to ask God to create a hunger in us. How do you create, how do you, how do you ask God to create a hunger? How do you do that? Uh, first of all, 
you start spending time in prayer and not praying for a meal and not praying for God to give you something. That's immature prayers if you're always praying for God to give you something. You start praying for other people. Start praying, God, give me a hunger. I don't want money. I don't want any other. I just want hunger. I want a hunger for the things of God. The second thing is to begin to fast. And I, I, I know fasting is painful, but you just, just begin to fast. By the way, I'm going to ask a church this week. Uh, this week, I, w- I would like to get 50 to 100 people to fast at least one day for, for these, this next month's services. Can I get a show of hands? How many people will say, I mean, I'll fast, I'll fast one day. All right. God saw your hand. I won't remember, but God saw. God saw. Okay. But we, we've, got, we've got to just cry out for, for, for God to just begin to pour out his spirit and, and then just begin to read the Bible. Spend time in prayer. Begin to fast. Begin to read the, read the Bible and see. Man, so many times God, the Holy Spirit, created a hunger in people who before had no hunger for spiritual things. Again, he can do that for us. <clears throat> the last thing is this, is, is that we have to begin to take action. And it, if, you, if you read the Gospels this week, you read the miracles of Jesus, in every one of the 35 miracles that Jesus performed, someone did something. Someone, you won't read a story where someone did not do something. Someone did something. In John 2, the miracle at Cana, his first miracle, you know the story that there was a wedding feast which lasted seven days. And after a few days, they ran out of wine. And Jesus looked over there and saw six ceremonial washing jars uh, that held between 20 and 30 gallons that were empty. And he told the servants to fill it up with water. After they filled it up with water, Jesus turned it into wine. Somebody did something. They filled, they filled up the ceremonial jars. Someone did something. In Mark 2 is the story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man. You remember that these people brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus and they couldn't get in the house, so they cut a hole in the roof and lowered him. Well, those friends had to carry him from a distant village to Jesus. Someone did something. Someone did something. The, the, um, the woman... In Luke 8, the woman that had been, had a, had, we don't know what it was, but for some reason she had been bleeding. She had some issue of blood for 12 years. She had exhausted all the doctors. No one could make her well. And it says this, as Jesus was going, it says the crowds were pressing in on him, about ready to crush him. But this sick woman, this sick woman pushed her way through the crowds and grabbed a hold of Jesus' robe. Now, how does a sick woman who's been sick for 12 years, who's probably a little lady who's malnourished, how can she get through a crowd that's pressing on Jesus almost the disciples were worried that he was going to get crushed? How does she do that? Well, she had a hunger that wouldn't be denied. And, you know, Jesus said, so she did something. And Jesus said, man, someone, someone touched me because I felt power. That's the power of hunger right there. When you touch God when you're hungry, there's power released. And, and the disciples were like, Jesus, what do you mean someone? You no, know, he said, what he said meant was somebody touched me with intent. There was intent there. There was hunger there. There was a desire there. And so someone did something. And so here's the question. What is the action step that God wants you to do that will put you in line for a miracle? What, there's always an action step. It could be something very hard, very difficult. It could be something very easy. Sometimes the easiest things are hard for certain people. I mean, for, for example, one time we were, there was a guy in the church who had an eye condition. He was losing his sight. And I had an altar call to pray for people who were sick, wanted to know him at all, and he didn't come up for prayer. And out in the hallway after church, he, he asked me, will you pray for me? I said, yes, I will. But the power to heal was about 30 minutes ago when we had the altar call. That's the Holy Spirit was moving at that specific time. Specific time. So could he get healed out in the hallway? Absolutely he could. But again, what was the action step? The action step was come up for prayer. And, and so whatever it is, just, just think about that. And so I know you're thinking right now, mo- most, most people need multiple miracles in their life. There are several things that Trace and I are believing for. We haven't seen them done yet, but we believe, we have confidence that they will be done. And so 
Here's the thing. What are the action steps? What are the action steps we can do that prepare us to receive that breakthrough? Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just take a moment as the band comes, would you just take a moment and just reflect on your life and, you know, just think about, man, where is my faith at? Do I need to increase my faith? What is the atmosphere of my life like? What, what, what is the atmosphere of my life like? And what can I do to, to, to change the, you know, to, to change the atmosphere? And, you know, what is my spiritual hunger? How is my spiritual hunger? Is it, a, is it a one or is it a 10? You know, where, where am I at? And then what is the action step? Just take a moment to reflect. God, we, just, we cry out to you this morning, God, because there's so many people in here that need a miracle in their life. They need a breakthrough, God. There's so many people we interact with every day, and if they don't get a miracle, they're going to be in trouble. God, I pray you're preparing family life for miracles. God, I pray these next few weeks, God, we're going to see some incredible acts of God, some incredible power as people are transformed. God, many people are going to be saved. Many people are going to be healed. Many people are going to be set free. God, we just pray right now that you're preparing our hearts for miracles. God, we know you can do anything. You can do a miracle if we're not prepared. But Lord, I, I, I just I think if your people are prepared, if we're increasing our faith, if we're getting the right atmosphere, God, if, we're, if our hunger level is rising, Lord, I know it just ignites the Holy Spirit to operate. So, God, I just pray individually and corporately, God, you're just, you're preparing us, God. You're preparing us for a season of miracles, for a season of just supernatural breakthroughs in people's lives. And, God, we give you the glory. We will give you all the glory in honor and praise. And I just feel compelled to ask, church, you know, if you're here this morning, you say, you know, Terry, I've been thinking about this. And. I'm, I'm not, I don't have a hunger for God like I know I need to. When I hear these other people around the world, I like, I'm, I'm worried about all these things. And I just want to ask today, supernaturally, the first miracle I'm asking God for is to create in me a hunger for the things of God, a hunger to see people saved, a hunger to see people healed, a hunger uh, in my life to read the word, to pray, a hunger to follow the Holy Spirit. I just want God to create a hunger in me. Would you just raise your hands? Lord, we thank you today that your word says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. That's a promise. God, fill us with a greater hunger, Lord God. Lord, fill us with a greater hunger. God, I pray right now the Holy Spirit is just working on hearts in this place, God. And you're preparing us for great things, God. Lord, give us a hunger for you that supersedes anything else in our life, God. Lord, create a hunger for the things of God. Lord, I pray that we would just be consumed with you, Lord God, that our visions, that our dreams, that our expectation, that our hope would be about you intervening in our life, in our country, in our city. In Jesus' name, God, I just release the power of the Holy Spirit just preparing hearts today. In Jesus' name.
God, we just thank you for igniting a passion in our lives, God. Lord, just knock off all of the all of the rust and all of the just laziness, God, and just give us passion for you. Lord, I just pray, ne- I, I believe this next month, just incredible things, Lord God. We just trust you, we believe you, we put our faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, church, please, please look for people to invite this week. I believe people are going to be open to this, and Hey guys, if you can help us stack all the chairs and rotate, that would be awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great week.